growing up in India, so many things were only ever available in the West. And we always used to think, why can't we have them? But today's world, we can always make them at home. So we present to you Rishabh. Rishabh is running an oat milk company in India, which is very new as per my mind. So, you know, let's dive in and let's see what there is. Stick till the end. Do you all plan to get into dairy products as well or are you sticking to oat milk? We are not a vegan company. We don't position ourselves as one. So 2021, November, you get your product, right? And you don't have a manufacturing setup yet. And it's been a year and a half since then, I think. So you don't have a manufacturing setup. How do you go to market? We had no understanding of how do you go from there to the fact that, oh, we are going to start this to, oh, let's start this to, you're actually back here doing 162 experiments in your kitchen. We were both very inclined towards doing our own business. What gave you that entrepreneurial bug? I think uh, it was kind of ingrained in my system. Uh, there was a pivotal point in my life wherein I was way too happy with my life. Share this with everybody. Get oat milk to everybody. And, you know, get some to us too. Hi guys, I'm one of the co-founders of Oat Milk. We make milk from oats. Uh, we've been in the market for o- over a year and a half now. And uh, we are the ones who do like plant-based milk beverages. And you might be, you might have seen us like in coffee shops or retail stores or might be like a like a recently added customer of ours. But yeah, that's that's uh, what I do now. So who is Rishabh? We've heard about oat milk and we've heard, you know, we're going to get into that. But let's start with who is Rishabh? So I think uh, Rishabh overall, like if I had to sum it up, is a very curious person. Uh, I actually, like, you know, was a, a good student in school. Uh like a good A-grade student, then went to university, studied economics, uh, did honors in it. And then after that, I was actually, like, as I said, very curious, right? So I think that has been kind of like the kind of base note for the entirety of my life up until now. And uh, I was uh, working initially within tech. So was looking at cybersecurity and like uh, just looking at transformation of business in London. After that, I moved from that into people analytics, completely different field altogether. And uh, I was actually looking at how gender influences behavior and how we can influence it and nudge it, etc. And now I am like a modern dudwala here in India, uh, wherein set up like an FMCG business. And uh, yeah, like had absolutely no idea how to like, like how... Uh, half the things are made in the world or even if you've ever like read like a nutritional label on like a biscuit or something you've got like a thousand things that go into it so never really understood that to actually having a product with our name attached to it so so yeah I think that has been more or less like in a uh, short like uh, stint like uh, my life I think you've gone the opposite way most people want to go from Dudwala to cyber security fellow and you have gone, you managed to flip that around and somehow yeah. that's just amazing <laughs> because, well, you know, what yeah. you were doing or you put, you give it the tag of Dudwala, but I think it is so much more. 
<laughs> just for the simple matter that you are looking into something that today is growing day by day this oat milk i mean i was introduced to it in 2021 and i remember trying it when i was in new york and absolutely loving it then i think manan sent me a sample that he had of your product and i remember <laughs> really enjoying that as well but i <laughs> you know i've been someone who's relished and loved and enjoyed milk since i was a kid my mom had this very uh you know she used to say this very often that you give him a banana and any like curd or milk or anything like that and he's sorted he doesn't need any other food and that was me i was one of those who could consume milk like nobody's business and then as age caught up there was you know milk and the way it works so that there's just a system is that there were things about it that didn't start sitting right with me so i was also like wait what the hell and then when i discovered oat milk i was like shit this is so much nicer <laughs> yeah i think i i followed like a very similar journey as well uh initially like i enjoyed milk to a certain degree but like eventually i realized like you know whatever like a brain of 5 year old can actually understand was that you know a lot of times uh it's not really sitting well with me uh and i went from like you know enjoying milk to a certain degree to being uh, one of those kids who runs away when they see milk and their mothers are gently chasing behind them you know you have to bring this before you go to school so i think that was that and since then it was always like a uh, i kind of had like a uh, ptsd with uh, with milk from that point onward wherein i never really got to trying any of it till i reached london and one of my friends was like you know you know why do you always drink your coffee is black and i'm like dude i'm i i don't digest milk properly and obviously by that time i was a bit more educated and i understood like what lacto- lactose intolerance was uh but they actually introduced me to oat milk and yeah and now here we are i think there's a lot more that happened in in the middle to get from there to like no uh, but uh, yeah i i completely understand where you're coming from vishal yeah so for me that was not at 5 years old it was Sorry? at 25 years old i'm saying for me <laughs> it was not at 5 years old but at 25 <laughs> so yeah there's the inherent difference there but i completely understand dude i had a lot of friends <laughs> and cousins growing yeah. up where i was always that kid that oh yeah if you're not drinking it i'm going to have it <laughs> i yeah, was always that sense. kid <laughs> can, can you explain lactose intolerance to the audience because i think in india people are very who have about milk right milk is such an important part of a healthy diet especially like in india i i think because we are not very protein dependent society in india we are a very vegetable oriented thing so i think milk creeped in as the main source of protein for us with paneer which is a kind of cheese in india and now milk so what is lactose intolerance i think uh, so lactose scientifically if you talk about it milk has this enzyme called uh, sorry it's got like a a uh, chemical called lactase in it inherently which our body like either from day one or like over time the uh, lacks the enzyme to actually break it down because of which our body cannot digest milk and because of which you might have like a lot of uh, side effects due to that some are mild and some are a bit more intense so a lot of times you might actually be like you know not realize it like i think a lot of like especially in the indian society a lot of times it's kind of in your head subconsciously but you never realize it that you know you know whenever i drink milk or like buy products of milk i it does not sit well with me i i like you know i have gastric issues or 
like uh, i am rushing to the washroom way too often after that or waking up in the morning with like a bit of a stomach ache so or feeling bloated for that matter so i think a lot of people don't realize that they have it or that it has developed over time with them but uh, essentially it's basically us not being able to break down lactase uh, and giving us uh, like our bodies are intolerant to it so how does oat milk solve that what is oat milk because oat if you think about it is like a grain right and then you see oat milk almond milk soy milk all of these things are called milks they don't come from animals so lact- lactose free milk also <laughs> there is this lactate yeah. company here in canada mm-hmm. which sells lactose free milk even amul does so lactose free here in india see and again we don't know what it is we just see it on the marketing thing we see oh looks fancy fancy people have it or whatever it is right so how how about we dodge that question first yeah it looks fancy it is more expensive and mm-hmm. uh, yeah mm-hmm. i think uh, so obviously all these other plant based milks is basically milk that is not made from coming from animal sources it's actually coming from the plants that uh, are proclaimed uh, so an oat milk is actually oats and water uh that is actually processed through a very technical process to give a product that is similar to milk it is potentially equally or more nutritious than milk and can actually replace all your dairy needs uh so that is what oat milk or any other plant based milk essentially is and what about lactose free yeah lactose free they basically just artificially uh introduce an enzyme that breaks down uh like your dairy milk into a lactose free milk so the lactase that i'm talking about they just introduce an enzyme that breaks it down further within the milk itself and that is what allows people to consume it however that kind of like enters your system as a lot of insoluble fiber and other items so yeah not very technical so please people like whoever is listening and don't uh, like you can get back at me on it but essentially that's what's happening so you're doing cyber security in london right and one day you have this milk you drink it and you're like oh damn this is not milk but this is milk oh my god my life has changed so what's the what's the wow moment that causes you to like really gravitate towards oat milk firstly just like specifically instead of all of the other world of wonders that is there and then you take this leap what is it so i think there are a couple of things here i think one would be say you know the whole discovery aspect right uh i think it, it it would be something similar to someone who has discovered like you know a bottled water for the first time where they're like oh i can get this so conveniently i don't have to like use pumps or something so i think uh that was the kind of uh, crazy moment because it went from me drinking like you know very intense like you know uh hard rock kind of punk kind of coffees to actually like you know a lot more delicate and i could actually like experience light of flavors fruitier notes all of that stuff uh i could actually like sit with a lot of coffee people and talk about these things so i think that was the major differentiation in terms of the discovery moment but i think uh very similarly to the example i gave it became a very convenient part of my lifestyle especially in london because it was so accessible and uh, everyone understood what i think to, sorry i'm kind of going on multiple tangents here but i think it just became no 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 go 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 we want you to go yeah. on multiple tangents it's all good <laughs> uh perfect uh, the no, more so tangents it... you go on the better it is for us yeah okay well noted well noted uh 
so i think yeah it it just became like a part of everyday life it was just very normalized in that sense obviously india has seen coconut milk and soy milk for god knows how long but it's never really been compared to milk or actually been a product that you could compare to milk right so i think that is what like changed obviously in the western countries and now we are bringing that back to india as well that you know we can actually make a plant based milk not derived from animal which is actually good enough what was the experimentation process like so as you said it is oats and water put together right but i'm sure if you it's not just as simple as you know putting a bunch yeah. of oats and water and like you know churning them in a mixer and like you know that's mm-hmm. that's not yeah. the process i'm i'm sure there's a lot more to it so how was that experimentation and how did you get from when you started to now the product that you have i think uh we we were of a very different mindset when we started out we, we, we used to so akash and i we met at a coffee shop in london and uh, we we both were like discovered that we lactose intolerant and uh kind of conversations transcended from like why is no one doing this in india to why don't we do it and at that point uh uh we got back home quit our jobs we were like okay you know how hard could it be like it's legit just oats and water blended together you just like you know that's that's it we bottle it we sell it we 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 do wonders and uh long story short not that's not how it is so there's a lot like uh, uh more things that go into it i think uh, from the sourcing of the right oats from understanding like how it behaves with different temperatures and stuff so say for example today if you were to uh, take a blend of oats and water and just heat it for your say after straining it if you heat it for your coffee it's going to become dalia yeah or porridge yeah. so yeah, so yeah. so you're probably so i i think like our first kind of like 10 15 oat milks were actually porridge uh, uh slightly more liquid but uh, essentially porridge but i think what goes on technically is more around like you know uh, understanding what actually an oat is made up of where in terms of obviously the macro nutrients and also like how the protein chains function not digging in too deeply on the technical side of things you basically break down the starch into like simpler sugars then after that you have to understand how the filtration works you have to make sure that the product is homogenous then you have to ensure that it is shelf stable as well that today you want a product that can actually sit on shelves it could not be something that is as fresh as like you know uh just milking oats and drinking it there and then so i think there's a lot of things that go into the production process and actually developing uh oat milk on its own more specifically on the experiments i think uh, we actually put in the figure on the website and i know it so like by art because like we actually logged every single experiment it took us 162 of them and uh uh i think around i think it was a tedious process of close to almost 2 years uh researching oats so from like sourcing the right grain to like you know other like kind of calcium and phosphate we wanted to make a product that was versatile we want so it could actually be heated it could actually be cooled it could you could make ice creams with it etc so all the applications part of things we wanted it to taste good so today like you know it has to be comparable in terms of mouth feel in terms of thickness in terms of those things and then we wanted it to be nutritious so as we've gotten like you know obviously say 
the amuls of the world have kind of spread that you know a milk is a glass a glass of milk is what you need every day before like stepping out so we wanted it to be as comparable as that if not like better so so i think these were the kind of parameters we had and it took us two years to actually develop something from like you know to go from oats and water blended in a mixy and uh, filtered to actually having oat mlk as our as our product so i think that is the uh, more or less the entire journey big button down there press the button we get more likes you get more stuff i actually went vegan for like 6 7 months and i fell into this youtube trap of let's try <laughs> to make oat milk at home and how <laughs> difficult can it be and i i kept i kept getting like dough <laughs> i kept getting like dough balls out of that yeah so i i can understand on a very 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 like upper level that it doesn't work <laughs> yeah it really doesn't But, <laughs> so how did you avoid making this dough what was your we did not of, we made so many doughs no as in like more, how did you made dawn from that clients. so i i think like obviously after the couple of like weeks researching uh, into it we also got a food technologist on board just to understand it a bit deeper uh we had someone from the us actually support us on this and interestingly enough we found her on reddit but uh uh but yeah she she came on board and uh, we actually did a lot of experiments together we would actually do it in our kitchens send her pictures wait for uh like it to be morning in the united states and then get a feedback and then do it again and just repeated that for like i think 3 weeks i think uh uh she she suggested that you know you need to use a certain kind of enzyme to actually do the starch hydrolysis etc and then we got one and we like okay now it's going to happen it's going to happen we did it and uh, we were we like nope nothing same 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 old dough that we're getting <laughs> for the past like two months now dude what is happening and then i think like a month later we found the right ingredients to actually make it happen at least uh, at a home setup or like a semi industrial setup um and after that okay we're like okay we've got it we've got the ben sample smooth sailing now let's go to a factory replicate this thing uh, as it turns out it doesn't happen like work like that either So if you've got like a lab set up and you've done the trial at home, you replicate that in the factory. It's gonna be a bigger dough. <laughs> so, so it's, it's basically yeah, like yeah, man. Like I think we we started experimenting in June. We had our Ben sample in September, right? But it took us from September till next year November to actually launch the product. So. So we, so I think we failed. Like obviously, one sixty-two experiments is at home, and then, uh, yeah, we failed another five times at the factory uh, to have a product that was shelf-stable. So you had one sixty-two experiments from June to September, and then you had you went to the factory and you had another year or about what thirteen, fourteen months of. Yeah, process there before you could launch in November of twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one, twenty one, twenty one. Okay. Yeah. And all this, so you are doing all this smack bang in the middle of COVID. Yes, right. That's correct. How do you sustain yourself, like capitally speaking? Like it must be eating up money for a year, and still you don't know if it will sell. You you are like. You know, we in in India we say Bhagwan Barose. We are dependent on God and <laughs> hoping that everything will work out eventually. I have wasted yeah. a year and a half on trying to yeah. develop dough. 
yeah so how does it go from there so i think like it wasn't extremely capitally intensive uh, for us uh, the manufacturing part yes but we have always been very frugal with our like initial capex right so all these 162 experiments we did not hire like an office have that first or like have a lab set up first we were just using like old kitchen equipment i was actually like saving it out of like kitchen cloths and stuff so i think at that point we were not and also because of covid right like even if we were to order something we don't know if it's going to come in 3 days or 3 months so we just like you know got our hands dirty and try to solve it asap in terms of the factory i would say like we did one trial at the factory in um november 2020 and then the second trial at the factory was march 2022 oh, sorry 2021 so we waited another like 4 to 5 months before we spent another like you know 20 30000 rupees on another factory trial because we had to go back to the drawing board understand like how to do it uh again and just so i think our first battle was like you know making a product that you could heat and then the other problem was like you know how do you withstand that heat uh so so like you know i i think like after the first trial was more around getting it shelf stable but yeah i think like in from a capital stand of standpoint like we did not spend more than i would say like lakh or 2 lakhs in terms of actually basic development of the product so where is the money coming in at the time like how are you sustaining other jobs while you are doing this we had savings from our jobs back in the uk so so we just burnt all of that in terms of fortnight i think that's the advantage of being home <laughs> yeah you, you save on rent right you save on rent you save on food yeah true 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 I'm still I'm I'm still like at home like I do have an office but like I'm still like working from home half the time so still trying to save money So apart from the money how did you all keep yourself motivated Dude like it's very hard doing a year and a half experimenting yeah. and you know yeah 162 experiments you have success then you go to a factory everything fails how do you get yourself through this I think uh in many ways i think covid was a blessing because it was harder to move on to new things because a lot of times you would like you know the world is kind of paused you were like okay we've got some extra bit of time lying with us like what do we do so i think uh i think that was one major reason apart from that uh i think we just really wanted to do it more than anything else and uh yeah like I don't know what else to say it was just like I think we it wasn't even like we it wasn't even like we did not feel like giving up in like moments like I remember when we did our first manufacturing trial Akash and I both got back home after that on the way we were both crying and then uh, uh once we got back home we called up a scientist and you we looking at like you know trial 2.0 uh so so I think like there was no like we did not stop i think if we would have we would have like you know we we might be like we would have just got another jobs or something like yeah but we just did not stop i think that is what kept us going <laughs> funny enough 
did the process of market research come anywhere in the middle of belief like you know how you think something will sell how do you know it will sell when we do develop it i think we had a lot of like market research before we started making oat milk uh so we were just understanding like trends and like you know how the market is changing like even from like a person standpoint uh i left india for the uk in 2014 at that point i knew i think zero vegan cafes or like plant based things in india uh in terms of availability coming back in 2020 i had like five vegan cafes in delhi itself so i could actually see it both from like a macro perspective from the research that we are reading on the internet to a more microscopic level from like you know the kind of cafe restaurants hotels exist like it so i i i, I feel like still we are still at a point where in oat milk and other plant based milk sits as like an add on onto menus but i think we are still like we are moving towards it become it becoming a lot more normal as i said like a bottle of water where you don't notice it so i think we are just tending towards that as well can you throw some numbers our way for like the current yes. standing of the oat milk market in india i think when i came back it was standing at around 160 crores uh the plant based milk market currently it's beyond 500 crores and it's growing at over 23% cagr i think so we're essentially like you know doubling every 5 months 5 6 months so so we are looking at something that's like you know obviously it's not obviously as big as the dairy market but i think it's like growing at a very fast pace you are getting in on the ground floor so that way you have that advantage <laughs> most definitely yeah. i was i was going to ask you how does the price come into play like is it comparable to milk or how much more expensive is it than milk and then when does it become comparable to milk so uh, good question i think uh, so currently we are sitting at 298 rupees a liter let's just round it up to 300 rupees a liter right you would compare it to a uh, 60 70 bucks of like your normal amul taza or something that is around four and a half to five times more expensive if you compare it to more like obviously a2 kind of milks that's around 160 to 180 rupees a liter so this that's just one and a half times and if you notice the trends like you know milk prices and other like you know a2 and organic milks are kind of increasing in price whereas all plant based milks are working in the other direction so i think just in a couple of years we would be looking at a conjunction where they both meet there's obviously a lot of reasons driving it uh but i think obviously we're a lot more expensive and that is due to uh the fact that you know it is the demand is like you know minuscule compared to how big our dairy loving country is so I, as and when more people get aware more people require products like ours uh kind of factories become a lot more adept at managing and producing at scale and at that point we actually compare ourselves to milk prices the red round button is called subscribe press that it's free oat milk bomb actually hit the us also very recently it actually hit the us like 2019 18 or so when oatly oatly went about like advertising on every bus station and every place you could visually think of 
there was like an oatly box oatly ice cream oatly milk oatly this oatly that right and that was the real bomb that hit and then starbucks had that oat milk latte which became like mm-hmm. super super popular mm-hmm. like their iced oat milk latte is like i think yeah. it is one of the most popular drinks they have on their menu right so i i think that was their education of the us people that oat mm-hmm. milk exists mm-hmm. have you faced a crisis or a problem let's say of educating the indian people about oat milk yes we have uh, many of those actually i feel like uh, indian consumers are like the best and the worst uh, what i mean by that is like you know it might be a hard sell to convert uh, an indian consumer and it might be a hard sell to convert an indian consumer so up until you get them on board like they might be like you know not even willing to listen to you but once they are yours they are yours so i think like uh, that is at least like what my perception of the indian consumer is but i think like uh, the kind of problems we faced is on the education part so one would be like especially when we started there was a lot of soy milk and almond milk was on like you know everywhere so when everyone saw oat milk they were like oh is it oat plus milk or is this like you know is it like dalia is it like porridge like do you have it for breakfast so i think that is where we had to kind of change gears and be like okay this is what we're trying to do and then the second part was okay i'm not lactose intolerant i don't like you know care much about the environment or the animals or anything why should i drink it so how does it help me so i think that was the second part of the education wherein we had to kind of experience wherein like you know it's not just about you being lactose intolerant or you not caring about animals it's just about a product that is firstly like you know you can compare quality right the kind of dairy milk that you get it's not always the best it, there is a lot of like adulteration artificial insemination etc these kind of issues that do exist and that is a uh, like say say for example apart from say amul or someone we've got a lot of local players in india so say for example i i talk about my own city namaste india is the one that sells milk here in india oh, sorry in kanpur uh, if you talk about lucknow gyan dairy works so you've got a lot of local players that kind of dominate regional markets whereas you would not get one product that is standardized across all markets here in india which is comparable in terms of obviously health nutrition taste versatility so i think from that perspective uh, we we are looking at you know a product that is relatively superior if like and in terms of like you being able to like why should you actually consume it it's obviously like you know apart from quality and standardization we have a product that is shelf stable in ambient temperature you don't have to like it's not going to go bad in one month or, or like two months it's going to stay like the same for 12 months right and it is actually a lot more nutritious than your dairy milk right it has a lot more protein it has a lot more fiber it does not naturally have any fats in it we actually introduce some good fats to it like you know your omega 3s and uh, uh like beta glucans and stuff which is actually good for your body so we are looking at like you know what dairy was supposed to be we are looking at like you know uh, an alternative wherein you know all the false promises that dairy generally has like you know it is something that you have to consume on a daily basis it's something that is very nutritious for you you have it for breakfast i think that is what we are trying to do 
can we get some nutrition numbers like can you break down the macros for me so like i am a big like i am big on diet and stuff so i want to know the proteins the carbs the fats yes i can compare it to our own product uh i don't know about general product but if you kind of pull up like you know i think the macros in terms of percentages i think it is around uh 30% fat around 28% uh uh protein and uh, i think around 40% of carbohydrates in a glass of milk right of which you don't know how much is impurities how much is fiber how much is what right for us it is around uh like 6 to 7% of fat around uh 30% of protein and the rest is carbohydrates so you know and all of these are coming from oats and oats only so you know where your nutritionist is uh, nutrition is coming from it is also high in fiber we are looking at over a gram per 100 ml so so we are looking at something that is a lot more nutritious even in terms of numbers uh let alone the taste and versatility so i was just on your website and just putting some numbers according to what's on your bottle you say in 100 ml you have 1.38 grams of fiber 6.59 grams of protein 11.05 grams of carbohydrates 1.56 grams of fat 250.76 mg of calcium and 1.39 mg of vitamin b12 and there is 79 mg of sodium the comment bar down below click on it type out what you want to say be asked let's go comment comment this is innate protein from the oats this is not added on protein by you guys correct correct wow that's a lot like one glass of milk has around 8 grams of protein this is mm-hmm. 100 ml having 6.3 it's crazy yeah it is do you all plan to get into dairy products as well or are you sticking to the oat milk uh so currently we're just an oat milk company but i think like we have a lot more in terms of like the vision of the company we are not a vegan company we don't position ourselves as one obviously we make plant based milk but i think like in terms of positioning we are a lot more problem focused so i think like and within the beverage category because in the past one and a half years since launch we've understood that is what our forte is like actually understanding the whole uh, research development manufacturing and positioning aspect of things so instead of looking at say dairy products or something we're looking at solutions to problems so say you do not have a nutritious milk to drink in the morning we've got one for you whether the, that is whether you're health focused whether you're lactose intolerant whether you're vegan whether like so it basically check boxes all the potential allergies you might have potential like you know concerns or restrictions whatever dietary restrictions you might have we have resolved it with one beverage uh what we're looking at is actually resolving similar issues going forward so now we've launched a protein drink which is uh basically like you know something which is more oriented towards your protein intake or say a meal replacement for that matter so we've actually like combined all those aspects and doing that in a product uh we've got other problems that we're looking at whether you have hair loss or sleep or other basically issues you might have we potentially have a beverage for you and that is what the vision of the company is right now we're looking at you know a one stop solution to all your problems to beverages 
So 2021, November, you get your product, right? And you don't have a manufacturing setup yet. And it's been a year and a half since then, I think. So you don't have a manufacturing setup. How do you go to market? What What do you do next? You just got your product now. Yeah. So like we've, we've lots of cold calling, lots of emails, lots of like reaching out to it. Like we had no understanding of the business. We did not understand how the market functioned. And it was very easy for everyone to just eat up, eat us up, uh, chew and spit us out. Like it was, it's like, it's so easy to do that. So I think like for us, it was just like a lot of cold calling, understanding, oh, oh, okay, so that's how you work. Oh, you don't want to talk to me. Okay, we understand. It's okay, it's okay. So I think uh, for us, like, it was to understand what works well for us, right? So, and we tried that on multiple aspects. So say, for example, if it's like an individual consumer, what we did was Akash and I we were both on the streets and we were just making people try our product. 50% of them did not want to try Obviously, we are strangers or offering them like, you know, milk-colored liquids and stuff. So they're like, you know, I'm not going to try it. But like, obviously, I think in that 30 seconds, that is our kind of elevator pitch. Like, why should you try it? What are we doing here? So I think that is where a lot of consumer feedback came. Like, uh, you know, what they like about the product, what they don't. Uh, would they, like, use it? Would they, like, you know, consider buying it? What would be the reasons why they would buy it? Is it the price? Is it the taste? Is it the nutrition? So just understanding consumer psyche on a very micro level. So that kind of helped us, okay, what would be potential touch points where people would want to have it? Or if there were touch points where the product would be available, what kind of people would be picking it up and for what reason? So once we kind of understood that aspect, we were like, okay, now we know where to be. We have to be everywhere and we are catering to everyone. And the only difference is it sells to different people for different reasons. So you just need to highlight that aspect for different people. So say, for example, if you're sitting at a hotel, we would just like, you know, we would make you uh, think about like a more nutritious product. If you're looking at a retail shelf, we are looking at a glass bottle compared to all the tetra packs crowding the shelves so, and a minimalistic design that actually pops out. If you're a kid, we actually have a little giraffe on the back for you to kind of engage with. Uh, so so it's just those kind of little things that we understood and kind of implemented with our product. Yeah, so I think it's just those little things uh, that actually like make a lot of difference in terms of you understanding your consumer and the product a bit better. And that kind of allowed us. And also like apart from that, with the contractual manufacturing, we had MOQs attached to it, right? So for us, we could not go full-blown D2C. And plus, as I mentioned, we were very frugal with money. So we had to be very careful where we put our money in. So we looked at all potential B2B avenues that we could kind of cater to, so whether that's hotels, restaurants, cafes, offices, schools. That is where our initial focus was. And slowly, once we kind of started building that out, we got some money, we paid a certain few listing fees and got into like, you know, uh, general and modern trades of, of the country. Few words clarification needed so one can you tell me what contractual manufacturing is and how do you get that second is what do you mean by an moq and just the difference between b2b and b2c approaches for your outreach sure so contractual manufacturing is where someone is actually helping you 
convert your product from raw material and packaging material to a finished product or a finished good. So they are basically the ones who, who are doing job work for you. The recipe, the process, everything is yours, but they have the infrastructure to actually convert this product for you. So you get into a contract with said manufacturer to manufacture products for you. The second one is MOQ. MOQ is a minimum order quantity. Obviously, you cannot go to a manufacturer and be like, you know, can you give me 500 bottles? I want to test the market. Uh, so, so I think, so it is basically a combination of utilitarian and operational costs wherein they are like, okay, you have to meet a certain quantity of product that you would make with me on either a daily or a monthly or a yearly basis for me to actually do that conversion for you out to give you business. Uh, so yeah, that's MOQ. What was the third one you had asked? Your approach to B2B versus B2C, like outreach and product. So B2B, I think uh, one good sell for hotels was glass. So we always like wanted to kind of stand out in the market and also have a lot of reusable quality to the product. So we did not believe in Tetra Pak or like plastic packaging. Obviously, like, you know, I've also had turtles as a pet. So obviously it hurts me a lot. But uh, like glass bottles is what we wanted to do, right? And that's something that is a, a bit easier sell to a hotel compared to a PP bottle because it looks prettier. It, it kind of goes with their aesthetic. But our B2B approach was mostly like, you know, just reach out to everyone, understand how these businesses work. Like hotels has a very different kind of food chain compared to a restaurant or a cafe. And what we believed in our B2B approach most importantly was to sample it. We understood the fact that, you know, most people would not have tried it and almost everyone would have not even heard about it. That was the mentality we had. That, you know, this is an alien product. No one knows what this is. So we are going to make them. And the best way to educate someone is for them to try it. Once they try it, if they like the taste, then you can have a 30-second conversation with them. Before them trying, they are just going to say, no boss, I can't do this. So, so I think like for all our B2B, the, and still till date, what we do is, hey, um, you know, I, we think like, you know, our product is going to sit well with you. Here's a sample. Try it. Try it first. If you don't like it, end of conversation. If you like it, let's talk for it. So I think that was our B2B approach. For B2C, it was more around like, actually with both, it was more about creating that infrastructure. So today we are sitting in Kanpur manufacturing in a different city with people working remotely for us and with like cities we cater to currently in 40 cities in India and we export to UAE and Singapore. And uh, within these, we are working with glass bottles. So we, we cannot do a traditional D2C model, right? Or at least like we did not know how to do it because you cannot ship two bottles or four bottles or 10 bottles of glass or even when, say, the volumes increase, say, 100 bottles of glass from, say, a Kanpur to a Chennai or a Kerala or a Pondicherry. So we had to actually create that infrastructure of, say, warehouses and distributors and people who would actually be working with us to do last mile fulfillment. And I think B2B kind of gave us, gave us a kind of kickstart which allowed us to create that infrastructure. And that is what allowed us to kind of slowly get into B2C. Like even if you go onto our website and order like oat milk right now, it's going to reach you within 24 to 48 hours. And the reason for that is that we have that infrastructure that we've built over the past one and a half years. 
40 cities is a lot for like a year and a half. That is crazy expansion. Really, I want to congratulate you on that. Thank you. Thank you. Just going back to starting up again. You said you met Akash at a coffee shop and you both bonded over being how do two people doing cyber security or corporate jobs in London? He was not doing cyber security, by the way. Just, uh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. He was actually a data visualizer for Rolls-Royce. So he was actually looking at engines in the sky, actually data of engines on a screen. But like, it sounds nice when I say sky. But yeah, go on. So the two of you doing corporate jobs in the UK, living life in London, which is one of the top two or three most popular cities in the world, you know, a lot of people would give an arm and a leg to be in your position. How do you go from that place to then coming back to Kanpur in India and setting up your... I mean, how do you go from there to the fact that, oh, we are going to start this to, oh, let's start this to, you're actually back here doing 162 experiments in your kitchen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think uh, for both of us, it was just, I think uh, we were both very inclined towards doing our own business more than anything else. So if I talk from a personal standpoint, I was like, you know, uh, I felt like I was turning a bit complacent in my corporate job. I felt like, you know, I could do a lot more. And it was just like, you know, uh, that, you know, life is too short kind of a thing, but in the opposite direction. So so I was like, okay, I want to build something from scratch and have complete autonomy over there wherein I'm actually in the driving seat. I'm actually making decisions. I'm actually like, you know, seeing the company go from zero to one. So, so I think that is where like my motivation personally came from. I think it was very similar for Akash as well. Uh, we both are kind of like acquaintances from school, by the way. Uh, both of us from Kanpur. So I think uh, it just like, you know, so happened that we were both like, okay, uh, we'd want to do something of our own. So we spent, before this June, when we had actually come back, uh, I think March to June was the lockdown. And that is when we would sit down every day for like five hours and just like brainstorm on what's happening in the world, what are the things that we could do. uh, And... I kid you not, we came up with around 20 business plans and out of which 19 of them were in tech and only one was Otnal. And the reason why we selected this uh, was like, you know, with all these other 19 ones, we realized that, you know, we have to explain our product. Whereas like Oatmeal was the only physical product we could just put on the table and be like, oh, yeah, this is, this is what we have done. So I think I think that was fascinating. But apart from that, like digging deeper into the market, we understood, okay, this is something that is a lot more future forward. Tech wherein we get to, like obviously there are a lot more people who might be a lot more adept than us. But uh, oat milk was just, I don't know, man, like I might be coming up with words, but like I think it just felt right for some reason. You know, we did a podcast with another podcaster very recently and she asked us that, uh, what do you think is the common theme between all the entrepreneurs you talk to? And at that time, we were not very clear about the answer. But now I I feel like both Vishwas and I might have more clarity that all of the entrepreneurs are a little like 
cuckoo in the head <laughs> and that cuckooness is very important <laughs> you know the people people who believe they are going to change the world change the world right and you cyber security data visualization come up with 19 tech ideas and end up you know sieving oat milk and water from a sieve and producing dough and then now you are in 40 dip- yeah. kitchen cloth saving yeah. money it took us uh, two months to get an industrial sieve by the way it was for 600 bucks <laughs> <laughs> and moving from london to kanpur and not knowing ki what is happening and what will happen sitting in the middle of covid and now in 40 cities producing different different stuff for businesses as well as consumers mm-hmm. 40 cities down, three countries three countries yeah. like it's yeah. madness and i love it i think this madness is so important otherwise life would be monotonous right to just go on you could still be in cyber security make like good pay live like a decent life and then die but dude i am telling you i know so many people who would give an arm and a leg to be working in london at a cyber security company just you know doing their thing and living in that city and which is why it was even more you know what do i say why it stuck out to me even more so my next question is going to be what gave you that entrepreneurial bug or what did you see when you were little or when wherever you got this thing that i want to do something on my own where did that bug come from i think uh, it was kind of ingrained in my system because i come from a like you know my family has businesses right so come from background where my father did business as well but i think like always i've been very independent when it came to my life decisions like even when school was happening like uh, to be honest even if you ask my parents they wouldn't know what i studied in economics what my like major was in etc etc so that way like you know uh, like you know they were happy for me but like like very limited involvement in my personal decisions so i think i always wanted to do something of my own but i never knew what or how so i just like you know as they say follow the rat race i studied economics because i got the lowest grade in it in school i was like okay this is something i don't know maybe i'll get to know better at college so that's why i applied for that degree did that and then i was like oh tech is interesting how about we do cyber security i've never done that and then you know go from there to like uh doing people analytics like you know i want to understand behavior a bit better so let's do that and then so i think even like uh, the reason why i applied for a job and i remember telling my friend back in college uh, like i remember Uh, telling my friend dude i really don't want to do a job I, i think i should go back home and do something of my own he's like bro you can only say that if you have a job to not say yes to right you don't have a job what are you saying that i'm going to say no to a job and i'm like fair enough let's get a job first smart friend so, smart friend yeah. <laughs> let's let's get a job to get out of the job <laughs> yeah he's like you don't you don't have any companies telling you you know get a job or like you know they get don't have any option. job offers like yeah So this is such an important thing dude I I don't think I mean at least I wouldn't have thought about it this way This is so interesting to understand because this is actually this makes so much sense that you know when you say that oh I do not want to do a job and go back home you have to at least have a job first otherwise you're like you know you don't have any other options so you have to go home 
Yeah, exactly. You what do you, what are you saying no to? You don't have any other option to but to go back exactly. home and do something. Exactly. So, so I think yeah, I think once I got a job I was like, man, I'm not confident enough to actually quit all of this and go back home. So I think uh there was a pivotal point in my life wherein I was way too happy with my life. Uh in in <laughs> London. I I was like, okay, I have a great job. I have a great life. I have great friends. Uh my manager is not mean to me my work hours are 9 to 5 i'm living the best of like you know life so like let's you know, mess this work... up let's mess this up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like i was like okay i i'm like life is like you know solved it's like you know you die now what's new so i think that is when i was like okay uh, now i'm sure now this is the point now i'm going to do it now i'm confident Interestingly enough I quit I quit my job I think 6 months before I got my ILR uh not even 6 actually 4 months uh what's an ILR it's uh, an indefinite leave to remain in basically like an equivalent to an indefinite visa or or to the UK permanent so residency essentially permanent yeah per PR yeah basically a PR so I quit like I think 3 months or 4 months before I got one. No way. Yeah, and Damn. the only reason was like you know if I have a PR, I'm gonna like you know quit at the third experiment. I'm telling. So, so I think it was like you I can't have a fallback. You didn't want the safety net. Yeah, yep. he's like, don't be comfortable. I want yeah. you to have yeah, man respect. Yeah. Me. Just wow, awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome. You gotta love, love this entrepreneurial My thought process. My boat is too <laughs> stable, so let me rock the boat. <laughs> no, and let me know go all in it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was more like let's skip the board, let's just dive in. <laughs> yeah, let's no, jump. No, there's in. an ice. There's an there's no iceberg, but I'm gonna plant an iceberg and ram straight <laughs> head first into it, and let's see if yeah. I can survive. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love it. I still surviving. Still doing Dude, that. <laughs> you're surviving. You're doing well. You're in forty cities in three countries. I think that is much <laughs> more than surviving. <laughs> it <laughs> takes you. 15 months 16 months to take out your initial product and what yeah 15 months on we're mm-hmm. in a yeah. you know in this zone and that is amazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you don't mind sharing what are some of the yeah what are some of the numbers that you all are doing what are some of the revenue numbers or things like that that you are doing if you were really so, comfortable sharing that yeah i think uh, we i think I would just talk about like March because that's five. Uh, we closed March at I think we did just close to uh, two crores. Uh, our first like financial year, and I think right now this year we are looking to clock around six crores. Uh, so yeah, so that's where we're at in terms of numbers. Yeah, I think we had obviously a lot of issues like in the first one. Because I think we would have reached this six months ago if not for all the failures and issues. But yeah, at least we survived. How many people does it take? How many people do you hire? Like how many? What's the setup size? So currently we're a team of ten uh, people, including myself and Akash. Uh, it was three of us a year ago. And two of us a year and two months ago. Uh, so you launched your product with just the two of you. Yeah. 
to everybody who says that I need to hire people, I need help, I need this, that, and the other. Yeah. Burn your boats. So, are y'all profitable? Yes, we are. So we are. So I think we were uh, unit economic positive always, but we became like uh, a bit more positive like three months ago. That is amazing. You are a bit more positive in a year in a thing <laughs> which is not even like very popular in the country. <laughs> It's mad. Yeah. Where you're giving mm-hmm. glass bottles while you could have easily used plastic and like increased your margins. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's all that's left to do. <laughs> yeah. Where do you see this going? Like, what is your how you know two to six? What is that transition like? Or how how have you all how are you all seeing that number or? you know you're 3xing in in the span of i mean you're going from 2 to 6 so you're going 3x in the span of one financial year how are you seeing that what is the change i think it's mostly coming from more increased focus on b2c so as i mentioned that we've been very b2b right and we have created that infrastructure to be b2b now uh, the thing is that in this case our brand is never highlighted it's always about the product and that is what has been at the heart of our business till date that we have to make a good product we have to make a good product and no company is going to buy your product if the product is it doesn't matter what your brand value is so i think we've been able to do at least some some bit of that and now i think like we've we've just like gotten some money as well so uh, i think we are going to focus a bit more on the b2c side and the reason why we are scaling faster is because now we've got that infrastructure so we can focus a lot and push a lot more on the marketing and sales side of things and we've also got a couple of new products coming in uh we've just like kind of soft launched chocolate protein so uh that's going to be like that's i think this is just hitting the shelves as we speak so i think uh, we're seeing growth from all fronts whether that's channel growth whether that is location wise whether that's product sku or uh yeah i think in all fronts we're seeing growth happening and pushing in all directions so yeah and we've got a good team to actually make it happen so send me samples yeah of course uh yeah we'll reach you in a couple of hours just drop your address big and the most important question is when are you launching in toronto oh uh we've actually sent some samples by the way uh, <laughs> oh really but, yeah send but, them my uh, way man yeah we'll do we'll do for sure but i think uh, hopefully i think this year we should be in the us canada i think hopefully by next year amazing yeah the velocity at which you guys are going is crazy <laughs> you got a lot yeah, that is super yeah. so you when you look at us and canada are you looking at setting up manufacturing there or you're just going to be exporting to them mm, i think no i think we'll start with export we'll understand the market because like even with ue in singapore like we understand that it functions very differently compared to the indian market so i think our initial focus would be to understand what sells how it sells where it sells and once that is done once we understand okay because you know there might be changes in the product everything and we've got our r&d up here 
So once we've kind of established that, that is when we look into contractual manufacturing in uh, these other countries. Because otherwise, what will happen is that we would again be uh, starting from scratch there where they'd be like, oh, our MOQs are XYZ. And uh, we would be like, oh, damn, we can't do this quickly enough. So, so I think, yeah, I think first step would be export. And how are you planning on competing with a giant like Oatly? Uh, we're already competing with them on the shelves of UAE and stuff. They've got more money than us, but we've got more fire. So, yeah, I I think like that's that's how we intend to do it. And uh, I think it's like we've got a good product. And today, I think glass becomes a very major like factor, especially if you talk about like these Western markets, wherein if you look look at it, sustainability is a major major front. Like. Uh, recently, if you read articles on Oatly itself, they've gotten major slack for being in uh, Tetra Packs. And a lot of people are actually switching to making their own milk or even getting machines like No Milk, for example, where you can get, it's like a Nespresso machine, but for your plant-based milk. So a lot of people are switching to that, but we would be offering like, you know, a more sustainable solution to them. So, so that is how we intend to, obviously like, uh, in terms of like price, even uh, Oatly does not have a lot of local manufacturing. They have one in Asia, they have one in Europe, but like when it comes to say specific markets, they still are like exporting. So we would be landing at the same price if not cheaper. Yes, at least for Southeast Asia, we're going to be cheaper than Oatly in a glass bottle, which has more shelf life. Uh, and a lot like it's, it's, uh, easier to try because it's 500 ml instead of a liter so it lasts you like a better life so so yeah I think those are the major reasons why so to close it out we have we, we kind of do this thing in our show that we want a one line answer from you and I'm also going to add I want you to ask a question to okay. the next person who will come on the show okay so the answer I want is to your great grandchild, one piece of advice based on your all of your experience till now. One piece of advice that you would give to your great grandchild. Uh, under promise and over deliver. <laughs>